Well, good morning. Y'all have to fill in for Arlen. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. It's good to be here. So it's, I'm realizing that, uh, you know, I've been preaching for a number of years now, and I realize that sometimes my preaching can be hard to keep up with. Maybe you've never thought about it. But if you find yourself in a position, especially if you have young children, or if you had to get up and use the restroom, or, and you come back in and your head's spinning trying to figure out where I'm at or where I'm headed, it's okay. Uh, you can go and re-listen to the message if you care to. But uh, at the same time, I'd also uh, encourage you to try to keep up if you can. Uh, I've been rather impressed with the intermediate class because uh, I've talked to them a few Sundays now, and I'm impressed with what I feel they're understanding about different things. We don't have much time with the intermediate class, so usually, even if it's not my intention, I tend to give information hard and fast. And today we walked out to one of the biggest trees that I could find in the perimeter here of the yard. It was the lone tree out in the yard here before you get to the woods. And I ran into it just to uh, realize that the tree did not move. It didn't even quiver. It was a solid, solid tree. And of course, I did that to make a point because I wanted to talk about, oh, by the way, I want to get these out of my pocket. Um, found a few of these laying out there. It's an oak tree. And, uh, well, he's sitting best on his head, so I'll cover his feet with the hat there. Um, but to realize that that mighty oak tree came from an acorn. And we hear the stories, we hear the analogies of a mighty oak coming from an acorn. But it was impressed on me how often I walk right past a tree and I don't stop and think and really think through why that tree exists. All I know is that it does and it's a tree is one of the most sure things that we'll experience perhaps in this life. It's solid. There's, there's, it's a certain thing. There's no denying the fact that a tree is in your path and it won't move. You know, it's there, it's solid, especially a big oak tree like what's out there. And to, uh, to get rid of it takes a lot of work. But that tree is a sure thing. But wouldn't it stand to reason then, if you want to think about it a little bit more, that the tree 
is a product of something. It's there. It's a result of something. It came to be there. And so that's what I talked about with the intermediate class, that we know that an acorn was planted in the ground, and then this tree came forth. But to really think through the process of what happens to the acorn, and uh, that's, I want to I talk about faith. I've been talking about faith. I want to talk a little more about faith today. And the title of the message or the, the talk, the conversation I really want to have, the theological discussion that I want to have, is that truth sets you free. That's a very familiar term, you know, where Jesus told the Jews that believed on Him, if you continue in My Word, then are you My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And what, what did He mean by that? And uh, what is in it for us today? That the truth sets us free. First of all, faith, what is it? That's a question that is really discussed over and over and has been in the Christian church probably ever since the reality of faith was introduced. What is faith? I want to give you a simple answer today and use it in our, our discussion about faith. And I've got this simply from looking at the Greek wording of the word that was translated faith in the New Testament. And so it's this, faith is a conviction of the truth. It's a conviction of the truth. Now we can get a lot more detailed perhaps with what faith is. And we can use different, ex different verses to explain what, tr what faith is, but I think in its simplest form, faith is a conviction of the truth. It's amazing in, over the years, and I don't think this is isolated to, to me at all in my experience, but it's very common to believe something that's not true. Especially when it comes to your health, or when it comes to political things, when it comes to theology. There's, there's many things that it doesn't take long in talking with someone that you find, uh, oh, they, they don't feel the same way I do. They believe something else about this presidential candidate or this type of diet or, you know, you can, it's in every area of life that soon you, you find people feel differently and then you, you have opinions that come in there and you think, well, that's just their opinion, this is my opinion. But truth is what it is from a biblical perspective. And, and we find that where Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, shall set you free. I think it says makes you free. The truth will make you free, in the King James anyway. So, right after that, He said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall know the truth, 
and the truth will make you free. And if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. We find in John that it says that Jesus is equal to, He is truth. The Word, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thy Word is truth, He said. So truth and faith from a biblical perspective is hand in hand. Faith is simply a conviction of the truth. And truth is revealed in God's Word. In fact, it is the Word, the written Word and the Word that became flesh. I want to challenge you with a question this morning about your faith. And I just want it to be a personal thing for you. So the question, do you really have faith? And so your reaction to that may be, well, of course I have faith. I believe that Jesus came and died for my sins. I believe that He forgave me, and so on. Of course I have faith. So, do you really have faith? So, I want, to, well, I want us to think deeper about faith than maybe we tend to think. The word faith, if, you, if, you have, are you, if you're convicted of the truth, let's say that Thank you. Let's say that you are convicted or you're convinced without, a, without any doubt that there is a one true God that rules over the earth. Let's just start at the basics, right? If you truly believe it, well, would, would that not compel you to action. So, we often talk about that, well, we can't work for our salvation. We can't do anything to gain our salvation. We have to accept it, God's gift, through faith, by grace. But, too often, Christians can tend to use that make that statement for inaction, to say, well, I can't do anything to gain my salvation. But the Bible talks about works in two different ways. There's the works of the law, and then there is faith that works by love. And so faith is an action word, and I would go as far as to say that faith is not mature until it produces action. In fact, in James, it says, Do you want to be shown, O foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? It's useless. In Galatians, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision uncircumcision, but it's not on this mountain or on that mountain to worship, but it's faith that works. It's faith that works by love. We hear a lot about love today, and I don't know if a lot of it's very accurate, but 
faith actually produces work. We're not saved by the works of the law, and we're not necessarily saved by the works of love, but we are saved by the faith that produces works of love. The result of true faith is love that produces works through us. So true faith, again, is a conviction of the truth. Let's talk about the truth. The truth is what God reveals about Himself through His written Word. And His Word is the written Word and, again, the Word that became flesh. That's the truth. So let's think about a tree again. And to think about the fact that there's a seed that's planted in the ground and that that seed has to be in a proper environment. And we know because we've been going to church for a long time and we know from reading God's Word that the environment, the seed responds to the environment it's, it's, it's placed in, right? But that seed ends up having to go through a process in order to grow. And Paul used the example in 1 Corinthians 15 to prove that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. There were those in his day that believed that people could not rise from the dead. Nobody, there was, there's no resurrection. People can't rise from the dead. But he actually used the example of a seed to prove that Christ rose from the dead because that was vital to, to their faith. It's vital to our faith to actually believe that Christ rose from the dead. And, and if we believe it, then can somebody look at our life and say, they believe that. They actually believe that Christ rose from the dead. They believe the gospel. Uh, I like the example Rick gave of the man that, that saw faith in his life in some sense. He saw peace that passed what he could understand, right? It was a beautiful example And so he used the example of a tree, of a seed. He said, don't you know that if you put a seed in the ground that it can't grow unless it dies? So think about that when you see a tree and you see how sure it is, how solid it is, and how great it's become. You can think through the process and think about it this way that the tree, there's no denying the fact that the tree is here. And it, it was a great example actually being with the class outside and actually seeing the tree and seeing its grandeur and its size, its solidness, its might right in front of us. But to realize that, so it doesn't take faith for the tree, right? We know the tree's there, so it doesn't take us any faith. That faith our, our faith is sight in that point. The tree is there. Okay, it doesn't take faith to realize that. But 
it can take faith to then think through where does the tree come from? And it comes from an acorn. And the acorn had to die in order for the, what was inside the acorn to grow. What was inside the acorn? Well, it was, it was life. I mean, it's really the way to explain it, right? It was life inside the acorn that grew. And so there had to be a death and a resurrection. And, you know, Paul actually used that example to prove that Christ rose from the dead. And so we can look at the fact that Christ rose from the dead and we can kind of take the trail backwards and say, well, Paul used an example of a seed. So what can we learn from the seed? There was a death and a resurrection that produced that tree. So that is the process of the reality that we must be born again. We must die. Our spirits, you know, we were born dead to God, and so our spirits need to die so that God's spirit can be, can be given to us so that we're alive again to God. So that's a death and a resurrection for us to begin growing. And that's, that's something I didn't understand for years. And even though I, I said I believed, but I didn't have a... I, I've heard it put this way, and there's a part of it that really resonates with me, and that is this, that I, I claimed a, fa- a saving faith, but the way that I was living my life, I didn't have the right to say it. Because to believe something... You know, people say they believe something all the time that their life doesn't really reflect that belief. We use the word belief in all sorts of ways, and, and we say that, you know, I believe this is going to happen. I believe that this person is going to be, you know, elected, or, or I believe I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Well, what people believe things all the time. And I heard the example used of, you know, the priests in the, in the Catholic Church. And, and with all the accusations that are surrounding, uh, all the scandals that are surrounding the, the Catholic Church with, with uh, the priests, you'd ask any one of those priests, do you believe in God? They would all say yes, or at least they better would, because they actually are a priest. But then their life doesn't reflect it. Because if they truly believed it, you know, that belief would compel them to get their life in order and to, and to make the necessary changes. If you really believe that there's a higher power that's totally good, that's ruling over the earth, then your life is going to reflect that belief. That's how I heard it put, and I, I like it. Because... That's different than working for our salvation, but our faith has to actually be a faith that changes the way we live. And so if we're constantly in a state of being bound in one form or another to the If we're living inside a cage because of, of different things that we've decided, you know, I, I, I'm always getting set back in life. Everybody is against me. I don't know why uh, I can't move forward. 
uh, and, we, and we build these, this reasoning based on how we feel, we build this mountain of thought, and, and it always is an attempt to justify where we find ourselves, where we're at. But is it true? Faith in the truth, that's what's of all importance. And are we convinced of what the truth is? The truth that is revealed in the Bible about who God is. Every time that there's someone that is going in cycles and in circles and is always struggling with with their trial, that's not to say that you can't have a hard time in a trial. That's a, a trial by its very definition is hard to go through. The tribulation that is often what we face in life itself. And if you know if you haven't faced it yet, I've I've heard it said just just wait. It will happen because life can tend to be tragic at some point in our lives. It's not the trial that's keeping you stuck. It's the way you're looking at it. Uh, and it's what you're believing is true when maybe it's not true, actually. I love the question that Pilate asked, what is truth? Well, that's a very natural question that maybe we should ask ourselves more often. The truth of a tree is that it took a death and a resurrection. The acorn had to give up its identity. It had to, it had to die so that what was inside the acorn could begin to grow. And so when you think of what's certain and what's sure, it makes sense then to think that the tree is not as sure and as certain as what caused the tree to come into being. What actually produced the tree. So we know that there's a death and a resurrection that took place or else the tree would not be a tree. It would still be an acorn. Death and resurrection is necessary to make a tree. In Psalms chapter 1, and we just preached on this not too long ago, hopefully it's familiar to you. In verse 1 it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? And when you think through what truth is, and you think about where you're at with in your trial, you're blessed if you don't walk in ungodly counsel. There's that. You don't spend time where ungodly people congregate and hang out. That can be 
in a psychological sense. It can be online, or it can be actual. You don't stand in the way of sinners, and you don't sit in a seat of judgment saying, well, that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. I've already tried it. And that's not accurate. Oh, I tried that already. You don't understand where I'm at. Nobody understands where I'm at. If they did, they would respond differently, and they wouldn't try to tell me that things need to be, you know, that I need to look at things different. That's really sitting in a seat of judgment. You're blessed if you don't sit in that seat. But he says that he shall be like a tree. I'm sorry, in verse 2 he says, but his delight, rather than delighting in the counsel of the ungodly, delighting in the environment of the ungodly, and delighting in the judgment seat. Instead, you delight, which are all, by the way, very natural directions to go when we're desperate, when we're looking for answers. We end up wanting to find out more about our pain. We try to understand our pain. We try to see where it came from. We try to see who caused it. And we try to we try to see uh, what we can do to change our situation and try to live our lives in a way that it doesn't happen again. That's, that's a natural path for us as humans to take when we experience pain in our lives. But what about faith? Faith compels us to be convicted not of knowledge or information about our pain, but about the truth. Your faith should compel you to seek out the truth. Because the truth is what sets you free. Truth sets you free. Not information, not knowledge, not blame. None of that has the promise of setting you free, only truth. And if the Son sets you free, you'll be free. Which reinforces the, the fact that it's not our trial that keeps us stuck, it's actually what we believe about it. Which is not nice to hear, but it can be filled with hope to realize that perhaps for me, I've naturally been trying to find out more about why my life is in shambles. When instead, I should be and there's hope in the fact that I can actually stop trying to figure out the why and figure out the how. And I can actually say, okay, by faith, I'm going to seek after truth. I'm going to be convicted of what the truth is in God's Word because then I'll have the perspective to move forward. God's perspective always moves you forward. You always come through a trial better than you entered it with God's perspective. He doesn't take it out of the way. He doesn't take away your pain. But when you understand and there's a purpose in it, then is where you have joy when trials and testings come your way. We have to delight in the law of the Lord, which is in God's Word. And in His law doth He meditate day and night, so it's seeking after. They that come to God must believe that He is, and that He rewards the diligent seeker. 
Now, many of us can tend to, and we've probably all been there at some level, to have built our truth, what we believe to be true, out of how we feel about the situation or about the mountain that we would call our trial. And we base it off of how we feel about it. And what makes us feel better? Well, what makes us feel better must be the journey out of this trial. But when you build your mountain of thought and your perspective off of how you feel, well, that ends up being, simply put, a mountain of idolatry or a mountain of lies. Because when you believe something to be true, when it's not, it will affect, invariably, how you live your life. I've heard, I've heard this said about sacrifice. You get to choose your sacrifice. As humans, we get to choose, just like Cain and Abel. They, had, they were able to choose their sacrifice. Abel's was accepted and Cain's was not accepted. But they were not able to choose not to make one. And that's, I think, how it is with us. We get to choose what we sacrifice, but we do not get to choose to not make a sacrifice. And so it's a simple choice of we are choosing to either sacrifice truth for our fleeting journey to try to find comfort and, and survival in understanding about our pain, or we can, we can actually pull back from how we feel about it, which is a sacrifice, and realize that truth is actually gaining more you know, than we lose. But the Bible says in Psalms that when we delight in truth, that we become like a tree that's planted. It says by the rivers of water, but let's just concentrate on the fact that we become a tree that's planted then when we seek after truth. We, became, we become like an acorn that is planted, and what happens when it's planted in good soil by the river, there is a death and a resurrection that happens, and then is when the tree actually begins to grow, not until then. That's interesting to think about, isn't it, that death and resurrection is necessary for a tree to grow. You won't be a tree without that. That's something to think about. So to understand that what produces a tree is death and resurrection, and, and think about this, and I hope this isn't too confusing, but think about your, your pain. Your pain can be like uh, the biggest thing that you're sure of in your life, the most certain thing. And this isn't uh, totally original with me. But think about your pain being a sure thing in your path. You know it's there, your own pain. But it would stand to reason that what overcomes your pain is greater than your pain. So what actually, over, when, you, when you look at pain and suffering, and you take that to the end, just in a, humanly speaking, when you follow pain and suffering, where does it come from, right? It comes from, from death. You know, we are 
dying in this world. We, we are born, but then we are dying as we live our life. The end is death, and so pain and suffering is really a part of that. We don't have access to the tree of life in a physical sense like Adam and Eve did, and so we are wasting away. Pain and suffering is a part of that. And I think that can be, again, psychological or emotional, or it can also be physical for sure. So let's say death is the end of pain and suffering, but to find out what is greater than pain and suffering, than your own pain, you have to see what is greater than death. And so when you think of what is greater than death, well, that is the reality behind the resurrection. The resurrection overcomes death. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome death. Death has lost its sting. Resurrection. So that will happen in a physical way that we will die physically, but resurrection will help us or will be the cause of us experiencing eternal life. But it also happens into our spirit. That happens while we live on earth There is the death and resurrection of our spirit. Our spirit that is dead to God must die. We consider ourselves dead. And then we reckon ourselves to be alive with Christ. Because as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we are raised to new life by the spirit that is given to us that is now alive to God. There's a death and a resurrection that overcomes our physical death when we die, but also overcomes our journey to death in a psychological and an emotional sense. We are forgiven of our sins and we are set free. We're set free from trials destroying us. We're set free from that. Trials now, because our spirits are made alive to God, actually benefit us and and make us somebody that we could not be otherwise. Make us stronger. And so, my challenge to you is don't pray your trial out of the way. Pray for understanding in it because you need it. You need the trial. To be like a tree, you delight in truth. Psalm 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. And don't worry, that doesn't mean actually fat, it means plump. So I'd look that up. (laughs) But it means they will have plenty. And flourishing, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. As in Adam we all die, but in Christ we shall all be made alive. In Jeremiah it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. It doesn't say that heat will not come, but it actually uses the heat to benefit and actually grow bigger than it could otherwise. Her leaf shall be green, she shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That, is, that can be the reality of our faith in action, which is being convicted of the truth and seeking after it. 
seeking after the Word of God, that's something that, you know, we can do no matter how we feel. And that's where the benefit of physical discipline can come in for your own life. It's not that you, that you need to be exercising physically because of that alone is important to do because it's pleasing to God. Nothing like that. But, but if that helps you be more disciplined, maybe it takes a lot of changing around in your lifestyle. Maybe, and I hope you know my heart on this because I don't want you to feel like I used to feel when a preacher would say, you know, a good Christian is going to at least have 10 minutes in the morning, you know, to have the Word uh, and be able to uh, meditate and pray. That didn't make me feel good at all. It made me feel condemned. Uh, but keep in mind, this is not a work because it's pleasing to God. You'll find no, no joy in it when you do that to please God. But this is something you can do for yourself. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when you decide, okay, I'm going, how early do I need to get up in order to spend, uh, in order to at least uh, spend this much time seeking after truth? And, and this is found in God's Word, right? And so, if I'm going to get up at this time, that that means that I really need to get to bed at this time. And if I'm going to get to bed at this time, that means that, you know, pretty soon it's like, well, you know, we can almost convince ourselves it's not worth it. That's how dramatic our lives have gotten. But the fact is, when you, when you actually put in the hard work to make sure that God's Word, now when I'm saying God's Word, I'm saying seeking after a relationship and understanding who God is as revealed in Scripture. Not as an instruction book, but to, to find out more who God is and who we are because of Him and pray for understanding. When we spend that time, then we will start to realize a master plan that maybe we've never really seen before. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and through that, we start to be set free. And we realize what was really keeping us bound. That's some food for thought. Just a little food for thought. I hope you think about it. God bless you for your attention. And I will close with that.